there, this is Ashley Eckstein, voice of Ahsoka Tano from Star Wars The Clone Wars and founder of Her Universe, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message you will bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye by Saturday night. Good evening, everybody. It's TalkCast 178, and welcome to another episode of Tom Corbett's Space Cadet. Deep in Area 51, on the sub-level 405, past the Motel 5.4 that still has a light on for you, directly adjacent to the book burning for alternative eating and air conditioning suite, and next to the fried Pillsbury Doughboy cloning at Pizza Hut, I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight are the usual suspects. In the Revere Time Vortex, the silence, violent soundboard vixen. She's never been silent. Chief architect of all that is technical and queen of unstable petroleum byproducts, Kriana. I'm going to get violent if you call me silent again. <laughs> yes, we'll be holding our breath for the time that you're actually calm. Good, you From should. <laughs> From the stacks of her personal silence zone in the Dank Dungeon reading room. Cool, comic collected. She's got books and actually read one about a robot. It's the Zombrarian. That was a spoiler, Dome. You're not supposed to know about the robot. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. We're, we're not going to be spoiler-free again tonight. From the four-color vault of comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, our lovely ingenue, the woman who is both red-hot and icy cold, Tonight, joined by Barnabas, her very own zombie cat, it is the dead redhead. I think it's Bizarro Night. Bizarro! Bizarro! <laughs> well, as long as it isn't Mr. Mixoplex Night, we're all set. <laughs> Our guest tonight from the upcoming movie, Z-Con, producer-director Michael Doherty. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Now, normally we'd be doing half an hour of... of semi-interesting and, and verbal bandage about what's going on in the world of science fiction and then talking to you in the next half hour but because of a, a wonderful event going on in your household tonight we're going to take you first and and by the way say happy birthday to your lovely wife so yes. happy birthday to your lovely happy wife happy birthday also as Dom said we're taking you first so read that as you will well, it means, it means wet, less wet naps. So, yay. <laughs> and that's not because you're going to go weeks later. Wow. So, uh, Michael, Zcon hit a milestone this past weekend. Did, did you not? We did. Uh, we did two days of marathon shooting. Uh, which got everything we needed for the convention piece that we're doing for the proof of concept. The only thing that's left is to film outside of the convention center, which shouldn't take more than three hours. And then uh, everything will be done. So, yeah, I, I got to do something that uh, seemed impossible, that everybody thought was impossible. And, 
Well, I did it. Yay! <laughs> Thank you, Smithers. This this seems uh, like a like a thing for you, like a trend now. What, what's that? Doing the impossible? Underdog, yeah. underdog, the trend. Yes. Uh, well, you know, it's everybody else tells me it's impossible, and I just find ways to do it. So, I I think I'm more akin to the doctor than a mad scientist, but that's just me. I mean, it's it's really kind of odd in in the fact that. Uh, this is a much more massive undertaking than you've attempted before, and a lot of things that were kind of easy when you were putting together uh, your last project seem to have gotten much more difficult this time around. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lol. <laughs> how many? How many extras yes. were in the last shoot, Mike? Uh, you mean last weekend or on Redemption? Yeah, last weekend. Last weekend. Uh, Last count, 160 over the course of the weekend. That's a lot of extras to deal Holy with. Holy zombie Jesus. So, yes. <laughs> Save me, zombie Tom Cruise. But, um... <laughs> so, yeah, it was... I, I did in two days what everybody says is the worst thing to do. Uh, there's two things in filmmaking that are extremely difficult, which is A, working with animals, and B, working with kids. Uh, and I chose to do the latter. So I had some amazing cast members uh, in in the uh, realm of some very nice teenagers by the name of Georgia May Lively, Noah Chet, Noah Summers, and, and uh, Austin Riley. So those guys were troopers because they kind of they, – they had to – wait a lot and deliver some lines and keep saying lines over and over again. And we had this, my first amazing blunder, which was, uh, a lot of this was as planned as it could be. And a lot of it was, uh, was flying by the seat of the pants, which is as usual with me. Uh, but we had a scene where the kids run around the corner. It's the first time you really see them on the convention floor. And one of them supposed to be wearing a backpack. And I was so, focused on getting everything filmed that we filmed an entire scene without the child wearing the backpack. Oh. Oops. Which which is nothing compared to the fact that you actually realize we filmed everything we needed plus went back and refilmed that half of the scene again with the backpack. Um so those kids were troopers on top of the amazing crew that we had which there's way too many people to name but uh this wouldn't have been done without them. Very nice. Thank you. So, so what we've got now after, God, what are we, almost a year into this project at this point? Uh, we got funded in August, so we're coming up on, what is it, nine months? Nine months, wow. yeah. It really has been almost a year. Congratulations, it's a movie. <laughs> it, it is a proof of concept. The movie will be coming. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I, I, what, what it is, is in 48 hours, we built part of a convention floor, uh, filmed for two days on a convention floor and completely took it down. So, uh, giving I, I somebody back a warehouse. <laughs> yes. Giving somebody back a warehouse in exactly the condition we found it in. So if once we start showing pictures of how, just how big the set was, it'll give you a bigger context, but, um, it, this was the closest thing to akin of doing, uh, Granite Comic-Con and, and having it run for like 48 hours straight. 
Um, That's a lot of effort. <laughs> yes, it is. And uh, we we did it, which I'm sitting here completely shocked. Like, we have... I, I can't count a scene that doesn't have a stunt in it from uh, a high fall to a tackle to... Like, there's more stunts in six minutes of this little short that we're doing than the entirety of Browncoat's Redemption. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um. So and that's that's mainly due to uh, our stunt crew and stunt choreographers, uh, Daniel Mascarella and Jeff Wilhelm. And without them, this would not be what it is. Like each kid gets their little moment in the sun, um, and it's just it's awesome. And I'm I'm amazed that we came out on the other side of it. And that also what? helps in selling tickets, right? Because when each kid gets their moment in the sun, that means there's parents and grandparents and other people who want to get a copy of that. And entire oh, schools. <laughs> we we had the parents and, and anybody else that wanted to, to be there be there, and they got to watch it. And some of them actually were zombies in it, which was really cool. Uh, the, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a final scene that kind of teases, like, you know, what could come next. And uh, it literally had the kids in the middle with the parents dressed as zombies chasing them. So I think I've nice. given my cast some nightmares. Aw, <laughs> that's so sweet. So it's like, that again, mommy will get out the zombie makeup. So, yay. So, little Jethro, you'd best be a good boy, or mommy <laughs> will turn into a zombie. That's right. Yeah. Nice. So, you know, it feels like, you know, you've been at this for a while, which in fact you have. But realizing that this is a very small step in the the process now at this point. So where where do we move from the process at this point until we're sitting there watching the DVD in my living room? Over a so uh, that's 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 very interesting that you bring that up. So what's next is we have to film a short scene in front of the convention center. It could be the Baltimore convention center or D it doesn't matter. It has to be a convention center, uh, which is just the opening and a small segment in the middle, uh, which kind of leads into everything, but that does not stop the editing process. So my, my post production manager, Corey is going to be, uh, editing a rough cut of everything together minus those scenes. Um, so that when we film that, we can just plop them in and then move right along. And from there, what we do is we release it to the world and we start sharing it and we start putting it up to say, help us get this movie made and put up a donation jar and um, considering doing an Indiegogo because Kickstarter doesn't allow for charity fundraising at all. Um, and because our project gives them proceeds to charity, we want to make sure that uh, we do this the right way. Okay, let's talk about that for just a little bit now. Uh, one of the hallmarks of uh, the movies that you make is that the proceeds go to charity. Correct. Uh, Ron Coates Redemption had five different charities that supported it, and Zcon has two or three? Three. three. We, have, we have one returning and two new ones. And they are? Uh, that, is the, <laughs> that is the American uh, Red Cross Kids Need to Read, which puts under uh, books in underprivileged schools and libraries. Uh, and the Baltimore Bully Crew, which 
uh, rescues dogs from dog fighting and rehabilitates them. And I need to talk to those guys only because a recent change in the Maryland state law about uh, pit bulls. And I need to make sure that those guys are going to be good and okay. So we have these three charities and we have essentially a sizzle reel at this point. What is the long road at this point? Where? What's the the process? He just of the told long... you. Are you not paying attention? No, 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 no. Go, go, fund this movie, <laughs> charity tip jar. Let's go. Come on, Tom. No, I'm saying, when do I get to sit in my living room with a glass of oh, Chardonnay perfect. and watch it? Uh, well, you the sizzle reel. You could watch that in no, about not... four months. <laughs> I'm talking uh, about the movie itself. Well, that, that's going to be dependent at the community at large. I mean, it's uh, I really want to aim for 2014, which is what we set out for all along. Um, it'll probably be a September-October release, which is what uh, Brown Coats Redemption was. Um, there are a few things in the works that I cannot talk about that may get it accelerated sooner. And if they do, yay. Um <laughs> And if they don't, I'm going to do exactly what I do with everything and just kind of put my head down and make shit happen. So I will uh, basically bust my ass and, and go to every single person that has ever helped before and say it's time to do it again. And hopefully that the scissor reel that we've shared is enough to get them excited. Uh, I mean, the, the response that I got from the people on the set was that... Um, this was way more than they ever expected it to be. It was way bigger than they ever expected it to be. It looks amazing thanks to the camera operators that we had because we had um, Pal Beal who worked with us on uh, for a weekend for Brown Coats Redemption, but he also worked on uh, The Incredible Hulk, I Am Legend, and Avatar. So this guy is like amazing. <laughs> uh, he is amazeballs. Uh, we had Lee Gillenwater on second camera who did nothing but match Pal's work. Um, we had Tamara Johnson and Corey and Joe running sound and Tamara has been in the business for 30 years. So any concerns about the sound issue we had on Brown Coats Redemption are going to be gone because this woman's working on shows like Modern Family. And if she can make that sound good, she can make my little thing sound <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, and she also works on an amazing show on the Disney Channel called Crash and Bernstein, which you haven't checked it out. Just check it out. Like, I was sick on Tuesday and just stayed home and watched the entire season of that and laughed my ass off. Um, but, like, from from those amazingly professional people all the way down to the people that have never done the roles that they've done before that just showed up to be an extra. Or, like, my AD, Daniel Ross, or my DP, uh, Connie Goudier. I'm going to butcher her name, but that's fine. But, like, uh, we had my friend that I knew in high school named Mark Iman, who I've known for 20 years, uh, had no inclination of ever getting into this film business, but became my, my set decorator and coordinator. And just uh, when somebody completely impresses somebody of the calendar caliber of Powell, um, and everybody did, it's, it's to say that like we taken whatever we did with redemption and put it up to 11. And I would dare to say uh, uh, 12 cause it's one more than 11. <laughs> now you set out over, over Facebook an open zombie call for extras. Yes. How'd that go? Uh, we got well over 200 responses. Like, we had to turn people away. People it was, like to be zombies. That's what I'm learning. People want to be the undead. They do. 
I'm telling, take it from somebody who was a zombie. People like to be zombies. Well, what's amazing is that uh, people will wait and wait and wait. And, like, our extras were uh, amazeballs. Like, they – it was sad. The warehouse we were in didn't have any heat, so it was 40 degrees in the morning. It was, like, 60 degrees in the afternoon, and then it was, like, 40 degrees in the evening again. So a lot of them were cold, and they suffered through, and they were – freaking awesome um some of them had bad experiences because of the cold and not knowing that being an extra in a film means you wait and wait and wait and wait uh but anybody that had a bad problem came and talked to me and we worked it out um but it's amazing that these guys showed up and they were zombies and thanks to vince our makeup artist and his team they looked amazeballs that's just i'm just going to change the title from zcon to amazeballs there we go (laughs) sounds good to me Amazeball is coming to a theater near you. No, it's, uh, it's Mel Brooksian, but we'll go with it. You know what? Considering his son wrote the uh, World War Z, I'll take it. That's right. Yeah, That's pretty right. much. Yeah. So yeah, um, but but uh, Max Brooks did say he heard about Zcon, and his only requirement in the feature film is that there is a zombie Voltron. <laughs> oh boy. Max Brooks is a genius. And and I am inclined, <laughs> I am inclined once this gets made to give him his zombie Voltron. <laughs> I think that's probably a wise idea. Yes, which I think needs to be chasing a human Optimus Prime, and that is the only way that that scene will work. <laughs> <laughs> could happen. It could happen. I like it. So. You sound more jazzed about this than you have in a while because it, I know you've been really hammering at this for months and I am really, really pleased that this last weekend went that well for you. Thank you. Um, I mean, it's, it's, this has been a test of will and character to go from getting funded in in August and having a location and having that location ripped away from you in a very short period of time uh, for no reason to trying to find a location and trying to find a location that'll work. And, you know, the road to getting last weekend has been long and kind of sucktastic, but awesome at the same time. Um, but having come out the other side of it and having put myself in the hospital for dehydration because I work like an asshole. Um, I hear you, buddy. Well, I'm, <laughs> I, it's it's my policy. I'm the first guy on the set and the last guy to leave. And when you're on the set at 5.30 in the morning and you leave at 1 o'clock in the morning and your focus is to get the job done and not taking care of yourself, it inevitably results in your body's sudden but inevitable betrayal. Yes. That's how it works. Um, but I wouldn't have it any other way because I I wouldn't ask my crew, my cast or my extras to do anything I wouldn't do from pushing a broom to setting up a set to, you know, doing anything. Like I, I even ran around corners when I could to show them like, this is the way I want you to run, but not like a fat guy. So. <laughs> Kevin Smith was it? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Two cool bits of, of uh, movie trivia that are in my movie. Uh, there is a jacket worn by a cast member from Clerks 2 on one of my zombies. <laughs> and uh, the coolest thing that I still can't believe happened, which was 
uh, Ed Sanchez, the one of the co-directors of the Blair Witch, showed up and and hung out for a little bit on my set. Oh, that's nice. Neat. So I was and, muted, so everybody missed it, but me. But when you said the the, the bit about the jacket, I gasped. He was on gasped. It was like. <gasps> so I I have. I, well, it was really cool for me. It was like, and I now own the jacket because the guy gave it to me, which I still can't believe. But, <gasps> wow, nice. Uh, I, I, Gavin was amazing. I'm like, he's like, I have this jacket, which is all, it's like a suit jacket and it's bloody. Or I have this jacket, which is in Clerks 2. Which would you, Clerks 2? <laughs> there there was a question, Clerks 2. Yeah. Um, and then he's like, well, I'm just going to give it to you. I'm like, uh, no. He's like, no, no, no. <laughs> It's like okay, um, and then and then Ed Sanchez was there thanks to uh, Carl from the Frederick Film Office, who without Carl none of this shit would have happened. Like Carl was amazing, um, and I will drive the the hour and a half it takes to go from Annapolis where I live to Frederick, which is in the western part of Maryland, any day of the week to film because it was so much easier than dealing with the Baltimore City area. Oh, I imagine it was. In yeah. all seriousness, having been there, I imagine that it was not yeah, as many couple, teamsters, right? <laughs> well, it's not just that; it's it's you know trying to find a location and getting those guys on the phone and being a small indie guy with one film underneath me that you know, while in the in the fan film genre, did something nobody's ever done before in the realm of regular filmmaking. It's kind of done what a lot of people have done. You, you know what I mean? Um, a small little film that got a, a nice little release. Exactly, and and yeah. in comparison to other things, it was it was well received. I mean, it's a notch in my belt as a filmmaker that I had a profitable first venture, which means people want to help me again. Absolutely. But in comparison, in comparison to you know releases like Clerks, which had thirty five thousand dollars, you know, plus in its first opening weekend, we did that over a course of three months. Um. But it's it's really interesting trying to, to finagle through a system. And Frederick, as a location, could double for, as I understand it, 47 of the 50 states. And they <laughs> want to support yeah. filmmakers. And it's just, you know, it was so easy to work there that I I probably will make that the equivalent to uh, my Kevin Smith's Red Bank. Well, I mean, no offense to Baltimore, but, you know... The wire's been over for a while. What is is being filmed down there? Well, we have Veep, which is the the HBO show that's down here. I mean, outside of that, there's there's not much. There's a bunch of indie projects which always happen, which is awesome because you know we've got John Waters, we've got Barry Levinson, true, um, John Waters. You know, but but indie stuff is indie stuff. But Baltimore really seems to want the big. You know, if you're not bringing over fifty thousand dollars to the table, they're kind of like, eh. I mean, not not to slight them as a business person, I completely understand. But as an indie filmmaker who would like to put my you know stake in the flag and you know stake in the ground and raise my flag that I'm from Baltimore, it's really kind of difficult. Yeah. So, Mike, now yeah. we're we're in the edit phase, and yes. we're rapidly finishing that edit over the next couple of weeks, hopefully. Yes, in, and in, then it gets it, then it gets walked around. Uh, where will people be able to see this? 
um, it's not going to get walked around. It's going to get put on a dress and taken to the corner and made to work. (laughs) (laughs) Like RuPaul, you better work. It's it's more like RuPaul, you better not fuck it up. That's say don't don't fuck it up. Fuck it up. (laughs) Exactly. But it's it's going to be online. It's going to be on blogs. We're going to have DVDs. Uh, the the amazing Justin Chet and his Chet production did uh, a phenomenal job. Of we've got literally a shit ton of behind the scenes that went in with interviews and things. So we're going to package this nice little DVD that you could probably buy online for like ten bucks. That will be. Um, an additional way to fund. We have tons of different t-shirts. We have tons of swag. Uh, probably 2014, we'll see my return to conventions because I'm taking this year off um, after doing it for four years in a row. Uh, so I will return to my man-whoring ways of promotion. <laughs> we'll be looking so, forward to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. St- 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 Sorry, st- Kelly. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> As Kelly says, it's one less thing she has to do. So, <laughs> nice, nice. Well, she has a good attitude. Yes. <laughs> which, which immediately deflates like any girl that's like, "Oh, you're a director. You're famous. You're blah blah. You touched Joss Whedon." And Kelly's like, "That's one, one less thing I have to do." And the girl goes, "Ah, you were cute," and then walks away. So. <laughs> I, I love my wife and her ability to completely deflate my ego at the drop of an adjective. <laughs> and that. Yeah. And she has that, successfully killed the conversation, and she's not even here. Come on. Kind of shit. Wow, that's impressive stuff. You're gonna. Where are you taking her for dinner? I, I am taking her to her favorite restaurant. Um, which is going to sound like low key, but it's really it's really her favorite restaurant, which is Famous Dave's, a barbecue place. Oh, we used so, to have those. <laughs> and it was her choice. Like I, I said, you know, we can go somewhere nice, or I could take you to your favorite restaurant. And she's like, I want to go to my favorite restaurant. I was like, okay. Aww. Her day, her choice. But that has nothing. I love my wife, an amazing costume designer, but that has nothing to do with Zcon. True. <laughs> we need the behind the scenes stories to make you seem real and human to us. Um there there's an interesting behind the scenes story of me holding a female geisha that's not really female on my Facebook page from the set. If you want a good behind the scenes story, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> And that picture is worth a thousand words, so there's even no need to tell the story. I think there is. That's we may a, have that's to a... share. We may have to share that on our Facebook then. Mike. I was going to say we may have to use that picture for this post. Please do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Please do. Go go right to my page and grab the one that uh, Arwin put up, and it is priceless and. You know, I, it's going to be uh, after the the zombie Gatorade picture has run its course. Probably my profile picture for a while. Facebook. <laughs> she beat me. She beat me to it. <laughs> and I will say he is a very pretty man. <laughs> like, oh. 
he he is convincing enough that I showed the picture of me holding him uh, to my DP Connie, who had not seen the whole setup going on, and she's like, "It's a girl." So I was like, "No, no, no, no. <laughs> it's not oh, a girl." Dear. Look closer. <laughs> there's, there's two things you need to look at: the Adam's apple and the rise in the kimono. Oh. <laughs> Yikes! But on that note, kitties, I need to make sure that I have a happy marriage. <laughs> so we're going to let you go, Michael. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you, and guys. As usual, uh, keep us involved in the project. Let us know what's happening, and. Uh, I can't wait to see what the what the test reel looks like. I will, and and I will be giving you guys a an exclusive that you guys can put on your site. Sweet. And B, nice. uh, when you guys are ready and the and the things are done, the cast has said they are more than happy to to be part of your podcast, so you can interview them. Yes, absolutely. Yay! Cool. Well, this is unusual that I get to leave you halfway through. I'm used to being part of the show all the way. But thank you guys for having me on. We'll miss you. Oh, you're very welcome. And thank you. And have a great night tonight. You too, guys. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. The peanut gallery loves him. Oh, good. Well, this is so odd because it's now the halfway point of the show. And it's time to do our, our, our poll. And it just feels weird doing it after the interview. But... We're bass okay. backwards tonight. We are, absolutely. We are. I told you it's Bizarro Night. It is Bizarro Night. It's Mr. Mixel's night. Oh, oh no, did you say, say Bizarro, Bizarro again? Bizarro! 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 <laughs> and there was my coughing fit for the night. Woo! Oh, good. <laughs> so, dead redhead. Yes. We've had this poll on for a couple of weeks now. <laughs> oh, we did. Yes. We had the poll on and then I was completely indisposed last week. So you guys were nice were enough polled. to let me. Huh? You were polled. I was polled. No, I was indisposed. Oh, okay. I'm so, sorry. yes. So we did. Uh, what we did is because of a couple weeks ago, we spoke to... Um, our Mike gentleman Lane. who talked, I'm sorry, Mike Lane to Mike Lane, Michael Lane. And he talked about the space elevator. So we thought, wouldn't it be interesting to find out what people would like to hear in their ride in the space elevator. So we actually, believe it or not, we have three non ties. I think it's that never happens. Time. I know that never happens, but at number three, we have Aerosmith's love in an elevator. And I suppose that if you're going to the moon, that would be quite a ride. So you wouldn't have to worry about it so much. Never mind. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I was yeah, waiting for you to you. say something, Kriana. Coming in at number two, Theremins. Woohoo! Did I yeah, add that I one? I added that one. And I voted hey, this I time. With it. I, I need to learn how to play the theremin. Kriana, yes. you voted in it. I know. When you leave something up for two weeks, I eventually get to vote. <laughs> I know. Look at me go. There wow. we go. And then coming in at number one, I can't believe. Talk about old school. Come on, you guys. Coming in at number one to listen to on the way in the space elevator. Stairway to Heaven. 
Oh man, I was really hopeful. I on purpose did not look at the poll to see what won. And I really have my fingers crossed for final countdown. Really? Which is long enough to make it to the moon, I feel like. <laughs> well, oh. you know, at, le- at least it wasn't, you know, Freebird, because I would not let that happen. But that I, I cannot I stand. You, you, know, you know kids these days, they don't even use lighters anymore, they just hold up their cell phones? I know! I've seen it. I that. You know that some music venues won't let you bring a lighter in? How yes. much lamer is that? That's so lame. You kids get off my line until you. Oh my god! A when did you. Illustrator X get here? <laughs> <laughs> well, what's even funny funnier for that is that when they won't let you bring your lighters, and yet the show has pyrotechnics, so you know it doesn't make sense. You might burn yeah. down the building that we're burning down. That's right. That's right. I burn but, the building that's burning here. I like the idea of the theremins, though. I would like to be that person who plays the theremin up and down as we go to the moon. Yeah, I'll be right there with you. <laughs> that would be cool! It would be cool. That's why I added it as an option when I voted. No, well, I approve of your option, Creon. Thank you. Thank you. You know, frankly, I think we should really just have a theremin on the show. You gonna get me a, Are you going to get me a I theremin, will- Dome? You know what? All right. Call goes out now. Who's got a used theremin? Ah, uh. is... we're looking <laughs> for a used <laughs> theremin. This is dangerous. We're gonna rename the show Sci-Fi Theremin Night. Even <laughs> <laughs> cooler. Have you ever seen the the YouTube video with the the cat playing the theremin? It's completely adorable. No. It is. It's like the kitty because, you know, the kitties with their paws and they're like moving their paws and the theremins go, it's adorable. I'll shut up now. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. So, we didn't do any news last week either because we had two of the most interesting men in the world on. And because of that, we really haven't done any news in a couple of weeks. So who wants to start? What's going on? Um, well, we did deaths last week, so we got that all figured. Right. That we did. Oh, let's start with the Jane hat. Dun, dun, yes. dun. Oh, God. This has got to be the dumbest thing I have ever heard. I think that everybody freaking out about it is the dumbest thing I've ever exactly. heard. Exactly. So, go ahead, Zombrian. Walk us, walk us through this bit of corporate BS. No, I think that the peop- the fans who are throwing little hissies about it are dumb. Anyway, you can't sell a Jane hat as a Jane hat anymore. Because, you- guess what? Fox owns the licensing to Firefly. Weird, I know. But they do. And so, they've discovered, I guess somebody at Fox, like, learned to use the internet or something, and they discovered that a bunch of Firefly fans sell Jane hats. And they were like, hey, guess what? That violates our license. And legally, we're required to report when somebody violates our license. So they did. 
And now everyone is throwing a fit about it. Here's the thing, though. You can still sell hats that look like Jane hats. You just can't market them as Jane hats. Because guess what? They didn't copyright license whatever the hat itself. Just, just the, the character and the show concept. Sell a striped ear flap hat. People will know what you're talking about. Call it a nerd hat. Call it a space hat. Call, call it a it... Jane hat, but spell it J-A-N-E. Yeah. Call it a hat so that when you walk down the street, people know you're not afraid of anything. I mean, this is not difficult. And I think that everybody who's all up in arms about, oh, this is ruining fandom and my world is ending because I can't do Jane hats anymore. Suck it up. <laughs> oh, my God. Calm your tits. <laughs> Seriously, what they're doing is completely legal. Actually, you know, on... In the grand scheme of things, it's relatively moral for copyright attacks. And I don't know. I don't think it deserves the freak out that it's getting. I think part of the freak out is, is because, you know, Fox had no interest whatsoever in doing anything with it until they saw, you know, artisans making uh, a soft buck on it. That's probably it. Uh, no, that's not true, actually. What happened was they had somebody already licensed to do this. They weren't doing anything with the license. Think Geek saw a market, which is legitimately there. You know, some right. people are comfortable getting stuff off of Etsy and some people aren't. So they said, I mean, if you look at the Think Geek description, it even says, for those of you who don't want to go to Etsy, here you go. <laughs> Literally, it does. And ThinkGeek worked with this manufacturer to create the correct hat and, you know, threw it up there. So, because there is a market for it, a legitimate market, people probably oh, requested yeah. it all the time. So, that's just good business right there. So, now ThinkGeek owns, uh, owns the license for it? The manufacturer that makes the hats for ThinkGeek owns the license. Oh, okay. It's just really weird. Uh, I mean, people need to learn how to work around the system so that they don't get... Well, that's the thing. The only reason this is big news is that so many people make Jane hats. And honestly, it's not hard to find a workaround for this. No, not at all. I, I think mean, it's, you know, it's news that you can't market them as a market it as a Firefly hat or a Jane hat or whatever anymore but I don't think it's I don't think it's horrible I don't think that this is an awful horrible thing that Think Geek has done no not at all in fact Think Geek has been really uh, supportive of the, of the fan community and done a lot of nice stuff for the fan community over the years yeah so you know so that, and, that's and, just why I'm so crabby and old manish well, about well, here's a thought here's a here. thought guys go out 
to our to our fan base. Go out and learn how to either crochet or knit and make your own. Yeah. Or find mm-hmm. someone you love who's a knitter, Zomburian <coughs> or myself, who will do it for you. There you go. For fifty dollars plus the cost of yarn. Right. Whoa! Because my time is worth that much. Because I am worth at least minimum wage, bitches. <laughs> Seriously. Um, but in good news about Jane's hat, um, the best cosplay ever. I thought that the Hawkeye Initiative guy that we talked about a couple weeks ago was the right. best cosplay ever. Yes. Has been totally yep. dethroned, still in the throne room, but step aside because there's a woman who dressed as Jane Cobb's hat. Like, forget wearing a Jane Cobb hat to a con. She dressed as the hat itself. And that takes some dedication <laughs> and awesomeness on a general grand scale. So and there's... a crap load of yarn, if nothing else. Oh, my God. Is that, is that like the meat wad that we saw at Kamikaze yes. Con? Yes. Oh, okay. The, the woman is in a hat costume. Yes. Okay. It's the best. And we will have a link to that picture. That is our picture link of the day. (laughs) Oh, you know, I I, I did want to mention one thing, and I forgot to mention it when when Mike was here. But our video link this week, uh, we are going to show you a a quick behind-the-scenes of the Z-Con sizzle reel in which the cast breaks out into the Harlem Shake. And it is one of the most disturbingly funny things you're going to see for a while. <laughs> I love Harlem Shakes. I love them. I love them. Get over it. Then you're you're the only one who does anymore, but that's okay. I know I'm the only one, but I don't care. It's awesome. Oh, so we've got so- some uh, Siffy news going on this week. Kriana? I hate Siffy. I've given up on them. They canceled SG-1 after they ruined SG-1. Okay, can we talk about... That's a good reason for them to cancel can, it. Can we, can we talk about, just for a minute, remember that girl from, from um, Farscape? Which one? The one who was then on SG-1. <laughs> yes. She is not cute. Oh, yes, she is. No, she is not. Like, she Whom is, are we talking about? Um, 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 I think her... The one that's a thief, right? Yeah, oh my god, I hate her so oh. much. Her acting, her voice grates on me. Her nose is hooked and beaky like the Wicked Witch. Um, <laughs> she has a bad chin. Not to mention her character is annoying as all fuck. And Jamie is probably laughing his ass off in the peanut gallery right now. But I just cannot stay silent about this. I know this is like five-year-old news, ten-year-old news right now, right? You think? I know. <laughs> but How is this relevant to anything? It doesn't matter because I'm mad at Siffy for doing this to the show. Actually, Ben Browder on that show, I, I'm like okay with that. You know, I loved Richard Dean Anderson. And he was fantastic and sarcastic and amusing. But Ben Browder is funny in his own way. And this other girl, what's her name? I don't even know. I don't care. Um, she... It's something black, isn't it? So uh, it's Claudia. Not... That's right. Claudia. Claudia Black. See, I blocked it out of my mind because all I can think of is Warehouse 13 Claudia, who's actually very cute. <sighs> 
She just ruins it. She's not smart. She's not funny. She's just a lying sack of crap. Well, okay. seriously, how do you feel about that? <laughs> I hate her. And Winter, go <laughs> ahead and add her to the list of people who will never be on the show with George R. Martin. Seriously? You think she's wow. going to now? Seriously, I don't like her. It's not even her fault. Night's flashback has been brought to you <laughs> oh, by Kriana's flu. Oh, And the fact me. that she's been watching Stargate on the Amazons. Netflix. It's not on Amazons. Amazons. One of those. <laughs> Can I say well, something? I, I think it's on. Well, wait, what, Dead Redhead? I was going to say something. I It is on Sifi, I think. Now, I understand, Dome, you've also been watching. I, I know I don't have it under my my name there, but you've been watching the uh, Robot Combat League, haven't you? I love it. Are you kidding Isn't me? Cool? It's this cool. is the coolest. This is the we best show Sifi's ever done. This is actually really fun. And I love that the father-daughter team are like, oh. like lead now oh. with this. This robot that everybody was looked at at what what a piece of junk! It just Steam looks like a bunch of tires and stuff. It's just wonderful. And oh. it's moving up the ranks, and the steampunk robot won, and that made yeah. me really really happy. I agree. I mean, and you know, it's, been fun. it's you know, first of all, it's hosted by Chris Jericho, who's a uh, WWE wrestler. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. Wait a minute. Just to go yeah. on to another new show that has anyone else been watching, Orphan Black? Not yet. Yeah. I haven't I haven't DVR'd, but I haven't seen it yet. I really like it. It's very smart. It's a very smart show. Uh, it There are some things that bother me about it, but more procedural than anything else. I think they're, they, they're trying to do too much too quickly. And in doing See, so, and I feel like it's moving so slowly. Really? Yes. When they told her that we have to wait three days for the money to come, I felt like we waited three days. <laughs> that money. Oh my god. Although I mean, I mean, told me that it was quite a bit, but I don't feel like it's a fast-paced, gotta watch every second kind of show. Oh I no! Do this, think I that that lead actress. Yeah, the lead actress is phenomenally talented. Well, yeah, I mean, at one point, uh, I think during the second episode, she was playing four different people. Yeah. And oh my God, you know, it's it's quite a, it's quite one a. One of feat whom to... is a character who's pretending to be another character, right. Who she also plays. <laughs> it's it's Somebody actually quite an interesting me. show. It's it's well written. Somebody told me it was supposed to be like the one that um, Sarah Michelle Gellar is in, but it, I haven't even seen the show, and I'm betting it's better than the one Sarah Michelle Gellar was in. Oh, it totally. Did is they better. mean Sarah Michelle Gellar, or did they mean Dollhouse? You no, know, what it reminds me no, of is what Joss Whedon was trying to do with Dollhouse, which is no. show off Eliza Dushku's acting talent. No, no, and I no, feel no, like Dollhouse didn't exactly. Ex succeed there because they didn't make the characters dif different enough but this no, show no. is succeeding the really really short lived Sarah Michelle Gellar show that went off that was so was horrible I couldn't even watch the first full hour of it like 20 <laughs> minutes in I'm like this this is gone I think it, that was like Ringer or something like that yes Ringer or something like that 
something yep. horrible. Like that. that is what it was called. It was called Ringer. Now I remember what you're talking about. That was bad. That was really bad. No, it, it, it was very low budget. And for something that Sarah Michelle Geller was in, I was very surprising that it was, you know, that cheap a production. But it CGI was. was even bad. Because <laughs> did you watch Scooby-Doo? <laughs> no, as a matter of fact, I didn't. For obvious reasons. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was just not good. Just not good. So anyhow, Siffy's also uh, just uh, is developing two miniseries. Uh, one based on Arthur C. Clarke's childhood end, Childhood's End, which uh, is an amazing book. Yeah. And the other based on Larry Niven's Ringworld series, which is an amazing series. And the question is, is this stuff going to actually be anything at all like the book, or is it going to be iRobot? Or is it going to suck? <laughs> well, that's what iRobot means. <laughs> I mean, iRobot was just a horrifying... Well, like what they did skip. with the Earthsea trilogy. Yeah, they did, actually. Speaking, what bothers speaking of, have you seen the like horrible reviews Oblivion is getting? No. And that, that really pisses me off. Why? It's, What's Oblivion? It's a Tom Cruise movie, and because it's a Tom Cruise movie, you know it's going to suck. <laughs> well, that's true. I'll agree with that already, but... <laughs> I mean, it's sad because the trailers actually look interesting. They do look interesting, and I was hoping... Well, actually, the last Cruise movie that I really liked was that uh, Mission Impossible one. The last one. Really? Yeah, I actually really? did like it. All right, it everyone, it, Dome has no it, taste again. It didn't suck. Yes, it did. No, it, it really didn't. And, and, you know, based on that alone and based on the way this trailer looked, I, I, was, I was really willing to give this one a shot. Well, then you I don't mean, have to waste your 12 bucks. Evidently not. I don't want to give Tom Cruise my money. There's yeah, there's there's that whole aspect of it too, him and Mel Gibson. <laughs> and I, it's a shame that they keep putting Tom Cruise in movies that I kind of look interesting to me, but then I'm like, but I don't want to give Tom Cruise my money. So, Kriana, what are you what are you hearing about Blake Seven? That's also going to come back on Siffy. It could happen. That's it. I've never actually seen Blake 7, so I don't know how I feel about that. It's been recommended cool. to me by a certain New Zealander, or a Kiwi, as they call them down there. But See, I think it's cool. haven't gotten around to watching it. I, I, I think it's on Netflix, know, so I don't really have an excuse. Yeah, it is on Netflix. Yeah. But my, my problem with it is, is I never liked the original series. Which you know was in the '80s and was at a time when the British were doing a lot of, a lot of that uh, sci-fi stuff, and it was just one of those that I kept thinking maybe I'd like to, and and every time I tried to, it was just like, yeah, I I just never liked it. Huh. I thought it was okay. I don't know if I go out of my way to watch the whole thing, but I liked it. Here and there. I know. The whole basis of it is there's like these seven prisoners, mm -hmm. uh, and one of them is supposedly innocent, 
And if you don't care which one is innocent, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> oh, the that's whole thing. true. And I never, I never watched enough to care. It never got that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's, of, of, I, I am so tired of reboots and so angry. Hey, here's, here's, here's what I think would be a really good poll question for next week. Oh, God. Okay. Let's hear it. What do... A, they have rebooted some of the worst series and movies around. Uh, I mean, having a second series of Spider-Man movies with the first ones only 10 years old is ridiculous. There's got to be a movie that we like, that, that our listeners like, that's primed for a reboot. That, we did ask that question, though. Did we? Yeah, we already asked that one. Because I'll tell you, I am so tired of, of people, of, of, of Hollywood and, and the networks just not bothering. I mean, if you look at Benedict Cumberpatch doing an updated version of <laughs> Sherlock, and then within a year, ABC has a different version oh. of Well, that, that's just that's just like the two versions of Beauty and the Beast that were going on at the same time. ABC yeah. saw the Sherlock doing well on the BBC, and they were like, oh, we're going to get on this bandwagon, but they don't realize it's, what's their, their names, Benedict Cumberbatch and what's-his-face? Um, Martin, uh, Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman, who are the show. Without them, like... Well, I mean, the writing Stephen is, Moffat, the, writing, the writing, yes, right. Stephen Moffat, Benedict Cumberbatch, and, um... That's the Martin, show, the show Martin Freeman. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the show, it is them, it is them, and they're playing in Sherlock Holmes, but they could be, you know, remaking Stand By Me, and it would be just as amusing. <laughs> they could be doing, they could I be would doing enjoy that. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I can't get that out of my head now. Oh my god, who's Gordy? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, oh god! Oh We've god! Lost her. We've lost her. No, but no. It, it, that's just uh, the U.S. networks see BBC doing something, and they're like, "Well, we want to do it too because we're going to do it, and make lots of money." And their shows usually suck. It's like when they tried to redo Ab Fab. It was like, why would you even think that you could do that? Well, they redid Being Human, and the, the American version of it is just horrific. And it just got renewed for a fourth season. Ugh. Yeah. Point. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, it's the like British version on BBC America. The BBC version of, of Being Human was really good for a season or two, and then started to get a little iffy. Well, okay. But the BBC is also that. smart enough to say, hey, you know what? This got a little iffy, so we're going to get rid of it because we don't want it to die a horrible death. Right. Or they'll take that? it They'll take it and they'll really screw it up like they did with um, Life on Mars. I actually started to like Life on Mars. And then they yeah. gave it one of the worst endings ever. The BBC did? <laughs> Oh, no, ABC did. 
ABC. See, and the, the, well, but that's what I'm saying. The BBC is smart enough to get rid of shows when they're starting to not be good. But they they don't actually get rid of them. They actually give them a decent burial. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. They let their shows die with dignity. And you're yes. like, man, I wish I could see more of that, but I can see why they stopped. Yeah, they, they don't cavorky in the shows unless they have to. <laughs> yeah, well, just, you know I what? Know. Here's another hour that somebody's wasted listening to us. <laughs> At least two them. people. And good for them for doing it. <laughs> That's right. We love our yeah. fans. Do we? Right. Yeah. Oh, right. Yes, we do. Sorry. Yes, we do we love do. our fans very much. So, Kriana, tell us what's going on for the next couple of weeks. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would imply that I know what's going on for the next couple of weeks. Well, next week, we have titillating paranormal romance author H.P. Mallory to discuss her latest yes, release. And on April 27th, we have our... Holy shit, it's already our Boston Comic-Con wrap-up. Uh-huh. Boston Comic-Con... that is what the show will be called that week. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> It'll be called, holy shit, it's already our Boston Comic-Con wrap-up. Yeah, totally. That That's all oh. That's all she wrote, folks. That's all she and wrote. And by she, so... I mean Zombarian, so... Yep. Redhead? Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic-Con, Granicon, and of ComicArtHouse.com. Visit ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music is provided by The Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD, Hold a Folk, on RobWattsOnline.com. Dome? I want to thank Mike Doherty for joining us in the first half hour and uh, wish his lovely and charming wife a happy birthday. And, and happy birthday to her. Dome! Oh, my goodness. You thought I was going to forget. I was hoping you would. Happy <laughs> <laughs> I want to <laughs> thank the usual suspect for joining us tonight. From the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and our grammar girls, Ombrarian. Thanks for all you do, ladies. The peanuts also say happy birthday. I loved the question mark there on girl. <laughs> like, maybe girl. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe. What? From the Four Color Vault of Comics, thank you, Dead Redhead. Also, happy birthday to Kim Shaw from um, ComicArtHouse.com and everything Kim, else. Kim Shaw, who desperately wants iTunes gift cards, just saying. This is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everyone. No.